Candace and Ariel are not final girls. Candace is second to last at best. And Ariel is probably the killer. This podcast is intended for fools, haters, and Wikipedia summary readers. Listen on at your own risk. Welcome to our twisted mind. If it's not a good look, why do I wear it so well? Pardon me, I'm in Your pretty face for someone else, but you just have to do. Because you see, it's getting late. A pit of despair. This is not your final girl. I'm Candace, <laughs> and I'm here with Ariel. And we have been saying for the past couple episodes, I think, that we don't have a Gabby, but we have to announce Gabby's not on the podcast anymore. Sadly, she was having some mental health stuff and needs to needs to step back from it. And that's sad, but she wanted us to say that because of destigmatizing it. And yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Sometimes podcasts can be a lot of work. I don't know if you know that about them. (laughs) Yeah, fun fact. fact, It is a shit ton of work. Podcasts are actually a ton of work. And sometimes that work is like directly counterintuitive to like recovery stuff. So yeah, it's um, we will not be as fun or funny without Gabby. And I regret to inform you of that. But me and Ariel are still going to talk about some movies where people eat other people so you can be yeah. thankful for that we'll always talk we'll still yeah. talk we'll still be <laughs> we'll still be talking so we have some movies today like i said about cannibalism which has been a significant part of my media consumption lately and i won't apologize for it <laughs> i love yeah. that why, why do you, you think that is? I don't know. It's not something I really, like, intentionally did, but, like, um, one of the movies we're talking about today actually is one that I have liked for a really long time, since I was, like, a child, and I, I've watched, like, some really gnarly cannibal movies recently, like, some, like, exploitation kind of shit, and I watched, um, I've been watching Hannibal, <laughs> like, the TV show. Okay. And, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know why it just keeps coming up. So, yeah, that's interesting. Of flesh. The consumption of flesh. Love to psychoanalyze that, yeah. uh, especially after our last episode. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that could be coming yeah, from. Yeah, that's true. We had some like gross flesh in our last episode. Like nothing very edible. No. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't know. I've never been like. I'm not averse to cannibal films, but I've never been like, give me all the cannibal films. Like, I don't have like a, ew, gross, please no, but I also don't have like a, um, like a fascination with necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I love gross shit. It's like. Yeah, totally. That's like all I, that's like my whole taste in movies mostly is like the gross <laughs> and the most fucked up, which honestly cannibalism kind of like covers the gamut, so. That's, That's true. And also, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I was saying, this our first movie, which is um, Ravenous from 1999, is one that was a formative horror experience for me, and I totally never really thought about it that way. But yeah, like thinking about it now, I'm like, yeah, I watched that movie on cable. I actually saw mm-hmm. I saw the last scene first because my dad called me into the room to be like, watch this, and. I thought it was really funny, and then, like, the next time it was on, I watched the whole thing, and I was like, is this movie supposed to be hilarious, or am I just laughing at a movie that's supposed to be really serious? But when you really get into it, I'm like, man, like, ultimately, for me, and my, like, it's, like, so, like, formative to my taste, because I'm like, man, this movie really has everything. It's got gore, it's got 
um, a ragtag group of misfits. It's got an anti-colonial narrative. It's got mm-hmm. homoeroticism. <laughs> like, oh, it's got amazing. that. Yeah, in buckets. Yeah. So, <sighs> yeah, that's true. I had never seen this one until we did. We were talking about doing this episode, and I had wanted to for a long time. Well, relatively long, like because I knew it was a female director. And I'm all about, like, women directors for horror films. So this was on my radar for a while. Um, but, yeah, no, no, no. I had never, I had never seen it. I remember um, I watched the trailer to, like, prep for it. And it looked like a joke. Like, it looks like. Watching the opening credits, I completely forgot about it. It just, like, the sound effects. I was like, um, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like, I couldn't remember. Yeah. The last time I watched it, I was probably, like, 12, legitimately. Wow. Okay, yeah. I'm sure it's quite a change. Many years have passed for you, so. Yeah, it's been, (laughs) like, 15 years since I saw this movie. And um, doing some reading about it, too, Antonia Bird is the director, and I guess this movie went through, like, production hell, which actually totally makes sense, because it is, like, a weird mishmash of genres from... It's kind of all over the place. Captain John Boyd is about to discover... No one just ends up at Fort Spencer. We come for a reason. Yours being? Well, something he never imagined. We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer. (laughs) This Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. (gasps) He absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose. We need others. Between having dinner and being dinner. Ravenous. Bon appetit. It's funny is like I guess they started out with a director who got fired and then they put another director on the project who was also not doing very well and so Robert Carlyle actually like leaned on the producers to get Antonia Bird who he had worked with before and thought was good she'd been like working with mm-hmm. you know British television before this and fucking nailed it yeah um should we summarize yeah, it so can we summarize basically, it basically a, I mean, it's during, like, the Mexican-American War, a Lieutenant John Boyd gets sent off to, like, the podunk base because he's technically a hero because he took out, like, a whole enemy encampment, but um, it was only because he played dead on the battlefield and then got <laughs> wheeled in with the bodies and had a sudden... and at the time, inexplicable surge of courage after having someone else's blood um, run down his face and, and into his mouth and took out, you know, to capture the whole base. And so he is a war hero technically, but also he just openly admitted that he was a coward. So they were like, okay, well, you're promoted technically, but fuck you. <laughs> and, and they <laughs> sent him to... What is the base called where they sent him? Fort Spencer. They sent him to Fort Spencer, which is beautifully a the reject fort. And yeah, and you love that. I mean, can Mm -hmm. relate. There's kind of like (laughs) there's kind of like a I don't know, like a dilettante like philosophical guy who's like in charge of it and mostly everybody else is like drunk or doing drugs or or is generally an idiot. So, so yeah, um, there's kind of, yeah, there's a a really fun group of characters. And at some point, Robert Carlyle, who is Colonel Ives, shows up and says that he, um, oh, he says, but he says he's uh, Calhoun, shows up and says that he was in a party that got stranded and eventually resorted to cannibalism. And that there was someone who was in need of rescue, but it's actually a trap. And then it's just a deadly game of cat and mouse between Calhoun and uh, Captain Boyd after that. In which also eating people makes you 
strong and smart and it like and younger and it like makes you gain the characteristics of the person who you ate which is kind of fun yeah it feels a lot like a mm, a vampire narrative more than a cannibal narrative especially like i mean vampires and cannibals are like pretty parallel but yeah Yeah, this definitely has like many vampire tropes yeah i guess including their homoeroticism but yeah if (laughs) uh ravenous and like the vampire chronicles um yes (laughs) are like partially why i'm like this so formative literature amazing but yeah that's true um this is like i mean this is a wendigo story technically I, I don't know if there are very many of those. A Wendigo is like kind of a forgotten cryptid in my mind. Yeah, I can't think of a lot of horror films with a Wendigo. I, I think there is one literally called the... I imagine there's one literally called the Wendigo. Probably. But no, it's a unique take on like cannibalism, I feel like. It's a, it's a, fun, it's a fun one for sure. And it's, it's one where the allure of cannibalism is that it makes you... It makes you, like, live forever, essentially. So, but it's, like, a yeah. half-life, a cursed life. Yeah, as we as we find out in the final, in the finale. Yeah. Um, while the main character is wearing his iconic sweater. Yes, I love that sweater. He looks like a hipster. He looks like he just walked out of a coffee shop. Like, it's incredibly modern. Like, even for now, I, I, the movie came out in yes. 1999. It looks like this man walked out of a coffee shop in like twenty. Honestly, he's like got like a good like grunge uniform going. Like he looks like he like walked yeah. out of a thrift store in LA. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think they really had sweaters like that? I'm like, how accurate is this costume design? I'm so yeah, curious. This is this is um this is a great question. Honestly, I have no idea. One other cool thing about this <laughs> is that I should bring up is that um the music was always something that I was super fascinated by. Like this is like partially um, its draw to me as a kid was that mm-hmm. the music was weird and cool. And this is mm-hmm. also like weirdly formative taste because the music is done by Michael Nyman, who is a sort of famed composer who did, has done a lot of movies. Um, the piano the score that I love in a movie that I love, but we'll probably not talk about because it it's not a horror movie. Um, <laughs> and it's Michael Nyman and um, Damon Albarn. Who, like, if you don't know him, like, Blur, Gorillas, The Good, The Bad, and The Queen, like, he's a really popular indie musician. And yeah. that's kind of funny because I was like, the music in this is rad. And I had no idea who either of those it people is. were at the time. So weirdly formative taste stuff. And um, the music's really good. And it does, like, make use of instruments that would have been used at the time but sounds like nothing that would have come out of that time yeah it's so cool like i keep when i was watching the movie i was like i really want someone to like sample these tracks like i want this to be like someone make a hip-hop album sampling all of these tracks oh my god if i was listening to a hip-hop track that sampled the ravenous fucking theme i would lose my mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, um, it is. Yeah, and and that is like the same with the sweater. It's just stuff that's like, like hauntingly modern in a actually weirdly authentic period setting. It does like some really kind of fun stuff with the period setting, which I really love. Mm-hmm. I love it a lot. Yeah, I guess there are. Yeah, it's it's it has like startling anachronistic moments and even with some of its humor feels anachronistic, right? Because a lot of stuff that takes place in that kind of um, going West, like time frame takes itself incredibly yes. seriously. And you have this, you have this story that isn't at all, which is confusing. Like it does feel jarring. Like there are parts of the movie where you're just like, Oh my God, I think like they're doing this on purpose, which is amazing. But like, you don't know yeah. you know it's like all, it, it kind of walks that line for you and it's 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 really really well done but it definitely feels like one that you know having watched the trailer it feels like one that 
I don't know how this did when it came out because I wonder how it did. The trailer is nothing like. I feel like the trailer is nothing like the movie. Like they didn't know what to make of it. It kind of reminds me of like when um, the trailers for Jennifer's Body when it yes. came out. Like they didn't know what to do with that film. Um, and I think people felt the same about Ravenous. They're like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with yeah, this? Yeah, I think this had kind of like a similar tra- trajectory where like it didn't necessarily get recognized as a good movie at the time. I know for sure that my parents saw it and liked it because my dad at the time when I was a kid like called me into the room to um, have me watch the last <laughs> scene. And which I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it. The last scene is like they've like entered into this like weird game. Like Boyd has like Boyd eats like the flesh of his of course he did he cannibalized unknowingly in the beginning because he had blood like pouring into his mouth um, while he was like loaded up on a dead body cart while he was getting slept with the dead bodies um, because honestly and this is a, a this is a whole aspect of the movie that weirdly works but is like Guy Pierce is bad. I don't think I've ever seen Guy Pierce in something that I didn't think he <laughs> sucked. And he's, like, so, yeah. like, he's such, like, a nothing man and such a, like, weirdly, like, wooden performance in this, but it, like, works because of how his character is. Just as an aside, he, like, gets chased to the point, you know, all of the company gets murdered when Calhoun lures them out to the cave where supposedly there's still someone who needs help. Um, there isn't. He killed them all. And this is the trap. <laughs> And um, Boyd escapes not through any, like, skill or <laughs> bravery of his own. He's just an idiot. And um, tumbles <laughs> down a hill for an extremely long period of time. And then he ends up, because he's trapped with the dead body of his compatriot, he ends up eating him. And, like, out of desperation. And then after that, like, he understands the power of the Wendigo, but he's trying to, like, He's trying not to, which is also a very vampire thing, I guess. He's trying to, like, avoid the mm-hmm. call of human yes. flesh. And Calhoun essentially, like, reveals that he's trying to just take over the whole base because he wants to lure more travelers in and eat them. And then, you know, eventually have a whole little band of cannibals. And he gives this spiel about his plans while they're, well, between his and Boyd's heads is waving an American flag yes. all about how this is a this is a place for expansion and consumption and yeah the metaphor is great it's on the nose but it's great yeah it's very on the nose <laughs> honestly I that's not something I would have noticed as a 12 year old but like, <laughs> like watching sure like, wow. <laughs> wow they really just God, decided to not. put an American flag right there you would have been such an insufferable 12-year-old if you were, like, pointing out the fucking colonialism oh and shit. Oh my god. That would have been fucking I wish. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like the themes in it. They are on the nose, but they do work. And I do think that the protagonist is, like, such an interesting protagonist, like, to, like, walk the audience through those themes because he's likable. Like, he is likable. But he's also, like, a piece of shit and, like, really does nothing throughout the course of the story. Like, he does nothing. And even at the end, like, all of his, like, so-called efforts and, like, trying to take the moral high ground and not being, like, not giving in and eating human flesh are completely undermined. Because at the very end, you do have um, the one character coming in. Who this is like fairy tale shit, by the way. You do not you don't fucking walk into someone's house, see a stew bubbling on the fireplace, and, and eat like, it. Oh, like that's some cursed witch shit. That's literally a fairy tale and you're gonna die. No, he was you the dumbass. Too. What an idiot. Anyways, but like so this guy, high and mighty, oh no, I must stop the Wendigo, da da da. And it's like, well, no, joke's on you. For all your frolicking with this with this other dude, somebody's gonna waltz in and eat a stew and become a cannibal, and you can't do anything yeah. about it because you yes, die. So, yes, bye. his his sacrifice is completely meaningless. <laughs> yes, it's, it's true. To spoil it at the end, um, he is is in this long extended fight with Calhoun or Colonel Ives, 
which is his true identity. And he essentially like pulls a last gambit where he like, he like lures him into a bear trap and then tackles him into it and like triggers it so that it traps them both. And the scene is, yeah, first of all, extremely homoerotic. They've been frolicking this whole time and now they're just (laughs) intertwined and also skewered by a bear trap which um, I don't mind mm-hmm. saying is very sexy. And he's, <laughs> yeah. he says, Calhoun says, that was really sneaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the whole, it's like the line of the film. It's so good. And I thought as, as a 12 year old or whatever, that that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay. The line of the film for me though, is when, Way back, like, way up to the, like, towards the beginning of the film. I mean, like, when he's in the band of misfits or whatever, and the guy's in the tent, and he's like, He was licking me! <laughs> he was licking me. What? He was, he was licking No. He was licking me! That's my favorite line. It is. I didn't even remember. He was licking me! I did not even remember. Yeah, like, he's like, this guy also was, like, so, like, uh, sweet and mild-mannered up until this point. It's like they're chaplain. He's like, he was licking me! It's like a fucking, like, we're toddlers now. We're fucking three-year-olds now. Mom, he's licking me! Yeah, it's amazing. So, there is much frolicking between two men who were enemies, mortal enemies. Yeah, and at the very end, um, after all this shit, you have the only woman of the film who walks away unscathed and is like, bye. She looks in like, I later. fucking told you. <laughs> she fucking did, though. Yeah, there's um, Martha, who is um, one of the natives in the area and she's like their guide and she you know takes them places and her brother is also there but he gets murdered by the ambush later on and she you know gives she's the one who introduces the lore of the wendigo and yeah she looks through the crack in the door like okay i told you i love that yeah, I feel like this, um, you know, I feel like we've talked about films that don't age well. I feel like this film has done the reverse. It's like a fine wine. It has aged incredibly well. Yes. And there's that subcurrent of, like, white people on their bullshit. And this Native American woman is like, no, fuck it. You guys figure out your shit. You have your weird conflict. And I'm going to be over here. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, it's true. Um, I love it. And yeah, the company that... that- Ives was trying to lure in so that he could cannibalize them. The guy just, as these two are dying in a bear trap, walks into the fort and is like, oh, there's stew happening? Don't mind if I do. (laughs) And starts to consume human flesh. So the consumption goes on. (laughs) I'm also intrigued because, like, he was really loving that stew. So clearly, um, like, props to the chef. I wonder, like, the recipe. Beyond the human flesh, like, there must have been some very good seasoning. You have to wonder. There was some stuff going on in there. I have heard. Yeah. I listened to um, a podcast about cannibalism fairly recently because mm-hmm. that's all That's all the media I consume. I, it's unfortunate. <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. I don't feel that bad about it. But, <laughs> but they were saying that, I guess, you know, whatever, long pig, etc., but supposedly, actually, human flesh tastes more like veal. Interesting. Do you consider, um, because it's its own subgenre, and I hadn't really, I mean, like, technically, I think it's the same, but, like, zombies and cannibals. Very different, but also, like, technically not, Zombies though. and cannibals are adjacent, I would say, but, like, sometimes zombies have to eat brains, and sometimes they just eat... The people, they just, like, dig their teeth in, and sometimes they just have, like, a rage virus, and they just kill people for no reason. Yeah. I guess it depends on the lore. Yeah, zombies are kind of all over the place. I guess cannibals kind of are, are, too. are all over the place, honestly. And, like, as we come up into our next movie, I think, um, <laughs> I think we'll get into the, uh, all-over-the-placeness of cannibalism narratives. Yeah. I... 
like soft cannibalism. Soft cannibalism. <laughs> soft core cannibalism. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if um if Ravenous with its like I mean, there's not that much like motion and crotching, I guess, in Ravenous necessarily. There's not I mean, what's in the stew though? Like is there intestines in there or is that just like that some did, fat? It looked in the like stew? a fucking sausage, for sure. I thought there, yeah, there was some, like, something in there that was, like, this is, like, an intestine. Is intestine, I mean, I mean what do you have to you do know, to you know prep what? a human intestine for <laughs> consumption? I don't even, I don't even want yeah. to know, you know? I don't yeah, know. You, you know, you, you make a good point. I've seen zombies eat human, um, human digestive systems. They go for, it, it seems to be, like, a delicacy for zombies. I feel like that's a very popular, um, area yeah, to go true. for. I think the, but also because it's a good fun money gore. shot, because you'd be like, oh, yeah. they're <laughs> eating their guts. <laughs> I just think of, like, Shaun of the Dead. Like, that's the most iconic it's moment true, to me yeah. of that. I think there's also a lot of, like, Walking Dead comic, uh, stills. Oh, of true. Intestines being eaten. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, not the show. I haven't seen the show, um. So, if I'm talking about The Walking Dead, it's never about the show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get it twisted, Don't everyone. Don't get it twisted. It's the fucking comic. <laughs> yeah. So, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but it definitely did. It definitely did look like it had a casing or something. I don't know if they were, like, doing, like, a meat grinder kind of situation with the flesh. I, I was very curious about that. I know that wasn't the point of the film at all, but, like, it wasn't even revulsion. Like, for me, I was just, like, genuinely curious. Like, I wanted to see the fucking, you know, Gordon Ramsay behind the scenes making the stew. I do. Honestly, I was going to say, like, because Ravenous is, like, definitely more gory um, than, like, yeah. probably the average cannibal media. I don't know. Um, partially just because... They're they're really. What is the average cannibal media? Okay, also, honestly, I need to unpack common. that. Um, it's pretty common in <laughs> horror and also in comedy. Weirdly, people yeah. think that eating people okay. is hilarious, which honestly. <laughs> this yeah, this is where we're at as a society. Yeah. We think eating people is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. It, it is. is. Yeah. I will. For sure. I mean, we're gonna eat the rich someday. And I'm preparing myself. That's what that's what this is about. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is. That's what, we just psychoanalyzed it. Yeah, we, we got, got it. it. That's the what breakthrough. It is. <laughs> 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 oh, everyone signing off. No, no, no. We still have another movie, no. and it's a weird one, Fuck. y'all. God, I don't even know how to talk no, about this. No. Our second honest. movie is Eating Raul, which neither of us had ever seen before, right? We just right. picked it as our right. as the second in our double feature. It's from 1982, and um, we picked it as our second in the double feature because, honestly, because we already talked about Raw, <laughs> um, and Raw, which is actually really fucking gory and a yeah. gig, also really good, would make a fantastic double feature so with Ravenous. So consider, consider it. We talked yeah. about it in our like female directors episode from way back. So check mm-hmm. that out. It's a great movie. But we watched Eating Raul for this one because it, it kind of seemed like it was like in a similar like disjointed sort of brotherhood, and it definitely is. <laughs> it definitely is like it's funny and weird. Yes. And yes. definitely like I kind of still don't know what I think about <laughs> Eating Raul. I guess we'll yeah, figure it some, out. Yeah, we're we'll gonna figure keep it out on with the psychoanalyst analysis. Yeah. There we go. Psychoanalyst. <laughs> Meet Paul and Mary Bland. You two live in the building. You must swing, right? Wrong. Good night. We're so lucky to have found each other. A typical American couple. I know. Good night, dear. Sweet dreams. With a typical American dream. And typical American problems. Until... Mr. Raul Mendoza, como esta usted? They met a hot-blooded, emotional, crazy Chicano. I'm a hot-blooded... Emotional crazy Chicano. Eating Raul. Is it a thriller? Is it a romance? This was very wrong. Is it a tragedy? 
Excuse me. May I sit down? Yeah. Is it a comedy? Yes, but not the type of you're used to. Eating Raul, rated R. Okay, well. Wow. Eating Raul made off. me laugh out loud for sure, like many parts. I yeah, me too, me too. It's it's a good, it's like solid comedy setup. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you can appreciate whether or not you, you know, it's like seeing a good comedian. Like sometimes you don't actually think the content of their jokes is funny, but the way that they're setting it up is like very hilarious. Yes. Eating Raul. I'm not trying to disparage Eating Raul. I'm just saying it's the sim- it's similar. Like they know what they're doing. They know how- they know the fucking like setup for a joke and the punchline. Yes, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, sometimes I can't remember. I like literally can't remember any of the jokes that made me laugh. I remember like there were a couple that are li- like a little like kind of off color for 1982 that I was like, oh shut up. Um, in the year 2021. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like there's a one where they make a joke about like male nurses, like they like oh like oh they're gay, and I was like, okay. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of very ham-fisted, right? Because even the um, the main characters, uh, their last name is Bland. Yes. So you're like, oh, <laughs> like there's a lot of that. Yes. That laugh. That laugh yeah, the whole time. Is, That's yeah, eating honestly, Raul. That is, and like, and I'm fine with doing like the polite, like. <laughs> It is a sensible chuckle movie. It is a sensible chuckle movie. Um, Yeah, I guess. How do you summarize this one? Okay. How do you Um, do it? I'm going to say, first of all, um, bloodless and entirely sex negative. Um, Yes. Just going in, know that. It's um, this couple, the Blams, um, so named because they are just, they're kind of snooty and they're very sexless they sleep in separate beds like it's you know a 1940s movie and um he's really into nice wines and is a little effeminate and she is i mean honestly they are kind of like a little like gender non-conforming in the way that they like in in their attitudes at least and mm-hmm. they, but she's what you might call overbearing, yeah. I guess, if you yeah, were she's sexist. Like an overbearing yeah. wife. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of a henpecked husband, I guess. Yes. So. Yeah. But they they work together. They, seem to they really like you know, each other, honestly. It, their relationship is tested throughout the course of the film, and you know, remains strong. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's true. Absurdly, it's strong. just a beautiful love story. A beautiful yeah. love story. <laughs> Yeah, it's a tale for the ages. Um, they mm-hmm. essentially, after a series of extremely rapey mishaps with um, various <laughs> incredibly uh, swinger and kinky types of people who um, this movie definitely would have you believe are all fucking rapists. That's all the kink community is, by the way, yeah. apparently. Um, is rapey Jesus. men. Maybe that was true in 1982 in Los Angeles, but no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about, by the way, they talk about gay people and bisexual people during the course of this film. You absolutely never see any gay people <laughs> throughout any of this. It is so hot. Yeah, it's incredibly hot. Um, they discover that these people, they like accidentally kill someone and they discover that these people always have a bunch of money on them. Um, and so they're like, oh, well, fuck these people, they're a bunch of rapists and they always have money and we really need money. So they start a scheme where they put out an ad for like kinky, like sex work services and um, and then they murder the people. After going to a lot of trouble to like create verisimilitude for their fantasies and stuff, which I thought was really funny. I was like, dude, yes. Clock them right yes. away. <laughs> but um, that was the yeah the, the the best part for me was like the setup like when they were like figuring out they're like oh okay well let's put in an ad for in the paper for you to be a dominatrix and like they literally do their homework like they consult an actual dominatrix yes. and ask like hey how do you get into this business what do you do take pointers from her and 
that stuff was funny and 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 interesting. Yeah, I think. actually, they consulted Dominatrix throughout the film, who is the mm-hmm. best character, like the, probably the only like good person in the whole thing. Her name is Doris, yeah. and she's just like a single mom trying to like make it in the world, and, <laughs> and she's being a dominatrix. Yeah. Um, I, I hadn't thought about this comparison until this conversation with you right now, but I'm, for some reason, like, this movie brings to mind, uh, did you ever see 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton? No, you know what? I never have. <laughs> okay. You should watch 9 to 5 and see if this is a comparison that makes any <laughs> sense. But, like, because <laughs> it probably doesn't. But, like, this movie is, like, because it totally villain. you're right, it totally villainizes, like, this, um like underground sex community right Right. and it was like if you had somehow mashed nine to five and eating raul together where it was like instead of characterizing um the kink community as rapists we characterized like overbearing bosses like white male bosses as rapists like and then we killed them for money and that would be different let's combine it let's bring dolly parton to this vibe yeah that's my request, so. <laughs> Gotta make that yeah, edit. Amazing. I mean, not to say, I mean, like, honestly, every, like, every super, like, every super shitty, like, rapey dude in it is, like, honestly pretty believable as some just straight guy who infiltrates the kink community yeah. because he thinks it'll get him laid super easily. But also, it definitely is, like, literally every single man that this woman encounters during this entire movie is a rapist. <laughs> It's, um, it's, it's very... It felt a little like, uh, like teeth in that way, right? Where it's like, there is no good man. Absolutely. Um, and the ones who aren't rapists are like, the ones who aren't rapists or her husband, um, are like, still bad, um, in their own ways, I guess, or still, still have their own really undesirable traits to them, um... So, right, Paul and Mary, um, main characters, but then we also find the titular Raul um, a little further on in the film, who is a locksmith who obviously intends to burglarize their place after he (laughs) installs the locks, and they catch him, but he also catches them at the same time, having killed some some, uh, creepy dude, and then they strike up a deal that they will give him like essentially a cut of like what there is to be had from killing um, swingers. And which is amazing because for there's a, there's a big chunk of the movie where he's totally in and he takes the body somewhere and you don't know where he takes. Yeah. You them. don't know where, except for he has a conversation with someone at one point, like kind of obliquely where he's like, the guy's like, no, don't shoot where you eat. And he's like, oh, come on, this is good shit. <laughs> and you don't know whether he's talking about, like, valuables he got from people or something, or if he's just selling human meat. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, somewhere, like, like three quarters of this movie, I was like, when does the cannibalism happen? And, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And then you find out, oh, it is only Raul. Yes, okay. Yeah, t- yeah as the it. title tells you, the title tells you exactly what's going to happen. Yes, it does. Um, yeah, they, um, so, yeah, they are killing these, like, they're killing these, like, kink scene people because, um, you know, fuck them, they're rapists and stuff, but also the, um, Mary the wife in the situation um, finds that she is also weirdly attracted to, and I mean, honestly, not weirdly, um, understandably attracted to Raoul because he's extremely <laughs> handsome and um, yeah. also very forward, but not a rapist. One of the only non-rapists in the film. <laughs> so they start, they start banging and Paul immediately knows because they know each other well enough that he can tell when his wife is fucking some other guy. It's like literally never a secret. Like he comes home and he's like, Oh, <laughs> he knows instantly. Yeah. So yes. then he like strikes up like a, a kind of harebrained scheme to like make it so that they can't cheat together. And 
whatever like kind of slapstick goes on from there um this is like definitely a movie about like ultimately it's about this couple like getting ahead and yeah they want a house yeah they, they want to buy a house they want to have a restaurant um mm-hmm. paul sells wine and mary's a nurse and neither of them are very happy with this they're trying they're like social climbers and there's a scene where <laughs> there's a scene where they go to like a sex party and literally electrocute a bunch of people in a hot tub <laughs> which like this uh, yeah like, this movie sounds like it would be really violent and boring but it isn't it's literally there's literally not a drop of blood in this movie it's all really slapstick and so this is i i hesitate to even call this a horror movie because it's definitely not it doesn't like push the lines of like what bodies are um capable of or whatever like there's definitely no like blood spraying the electrocuting people in a hot tub is kind of like a like wah wah situation even yeah. though it is like a little I shocking don't... it has the potential to be I always wish that it like went a little further with it because like if this movie was super fucking gory it would like that would have super won me over yeah I guess I wouldn't call it really a horror movie either it is funny because it it's like it didn't it could have gone gorier which would have been great it also could have it is really disappointing how un queer it is yeah right like how almost anti-queer, anti-queer. and anti-kink ah it's it is really an interesting kind of i don't i don't think they were really trying to do anything with it necessarily but it's like for a little bit like this couple that's like you know has their goals has their dreams like they seem like a solid couple and you're like oh they just seem kind of sex averse which is fine like as a preference that's okay um, but then the, the film then continues, like, to just, yeah, like, portray anyone who has any sort of, um, like, any sort of sex drive as, like, yeah, rapist or whatever, especially if they're men. Yeah, as a, as a rapist um, or, like, a even, bad person. Um, they don't, there aren't even many other Raul, women. No, there aren't men, that's, yeah, it doesn't pass the Bechtel test, I don't yeah, think Yeah, there's Doris, um, who, um, <laughs> the dominatrix, who is, is obviously just yes. in it for the money. And now that I think about it, she's not a single mom. She's married, but her husband is, like, enlisted. So, like, he's not around very often. Oh, true. Well, even with Raul, like, true, he's not he's not a rapist, but he, um, he does kind of weird, in a very weird, I mean, it's a funny movie, right? Like, there's nothing that I would say, like, nothing feels, like, necessarily, like, triggering or anything like that. But, like, he does, like, seduce her right after he saves her from being raped and it's the closest call that i think the movie yes, has absolutely and then she's like i'm so horny for raul and i'm like yeah that's <laughs> i feel like this is you know probably very unrealistic for this situation but okay yeah. um, i mean it's a movie i'm not gonna be there for realism you know what i mean what do i what do i know i watch horror movies but yeah so so everyone seems very problematic who has this sex drive but it's 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 interesting because for a while you do kind of think like oh here's a couple and they're thriving, but they just don't really have sex. They like to wear matching pajamas, yeah. and, like, that's their thing. Um, but then, like, you present Raul as, like, this alternative where she is very turned on by someone who isn't her husband. Yeah, and honestly, the scene where, um, they, where they first fuck is, like, is, is genuinely pretty erotic. Um, yes. Yes, it like, is. I mean, uh-huh. there is, like, the there is the rape attempt before it, but, like, I mean, it, it does... I don't know if the movie is intending to, like, make you think about how you feel about that, but, like, it is very sexy. It is. Definitely. Well, and I think everything is portrayed in a way that is so, like, bland, (laughs) I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely (laughs) has, like, like, a kind of, like, it has a feel almost, like, kind of, like, MASH or something, like a, like a sitcom (laughs) of the era. Yes! Well, and it's it's interesting because, like, the initial comparison for me is, like, John Waters, but, like, as we talked about, obviously, like, John Waters, but as, but if John Waters hated things like sex and the King community, which he obviously does not, so, but it also lacks, like, kind of, like, John Waters films, like, have, like, a joy about them, like, they have this, like, certain energy, yeah. and this film, like, seems to resist an energy. Yeah. Even. Like, it doesn't want an energy It's weirdly to it. bland. 
It's very flat. Yeah, like they can't, um, like I was reading, sometimes I like to read like reviews or whatever as like part of my going into a podcast episode, you know, like reading sure. different ones. And um, I read Roger Ebert's review of this and I don't always agree with Roger Ebert. Um, he famously, I feel like, hates a lot of horror films and the horror genre, but he he liked, he was like, this film could have been better if it had gone harder he also, like, he didn't really like the tone, the tone being so, like, kind of flat. But he he likened it to Motel Hell, which I thought was very oh, wow. hilarious, because if you've seen... Yeah, um, but he said Motel Hell at least, like, kind of embraced, like, its, you know, its batshit premise. Um, which is, like, if you haven't seen Motel Hell, like, about a farmer who, like, you know, takes unsuspecting people off the road and, like grows them in a garden and fucking uses their meat in his sausages. Like, so anyways, like, speaking of cannibal Amazing. movies, it's an excellent one. Um, and I hadn't thought of that comparison, but it, he's totally right. Like, in premise, it kind of feels very similar, but it is very, like, it is very dry. Like, incredibly dry in its delivery. Yeah, it's, it's so dry that, like, I think I read a quotation from that Roger Ebert review, actually, also. Where he says something like he yes. wishes it had like crossed the bounds of bad taste a little more, which I was like, absolutely, <laughs> that's, that's all I want in a movie. I want it to cross the bounds of bad taste. I, I also loved hearing him say that because I feel like I've seen his reviews of horror films where he's like, this is too extreme. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, this is ghoulish. <laughs> I'm like, well, which is it, bud? But no, I agree with him on this as well. I, I would have loved to see it kind of transcend. It was definitely... It's definitely one that I would still, like, recommend if you're feeling like a weird fucking movie. It's like, sure, pop in and yeah, watch. And it is like, really I'm not funny. gonna say. It, 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 yeah, it is really funny. And it's also, um, have you seen Night of the Comet? No. Okay, it's an amazing, it's an excellent uh, 80s, like, I guess zombie flick. Um, but it has um, two of the actors from this movie. So it has... Um, Mary Waranoff, who plays Mary Bland. Who's like a Jamie Lee Curtis type. Yes, absolutely. And it has Robert Beltran, who plays oh, Raul. Oh, true. Very handsome. Very handsome So Robert it's Beltran. like... Yes. So um, if you're a Night of the Comet fan, you should watch Eating Raul. Or if you're an Eating Raul fan and you haven't seen Night of the Comet, you should watch Night of the Comet. But um, that that was like a fun little little touch to it as well. Yeah. Um, it's got, it's got, like, some fun stuff, right? Because it's got, you know, all, all these, all these, like, weird, like, sex parties and, like, portrayals of the kink community and stuff that, well, they're, at best, problematic. Um, they're, they're interesting, especially for a movie of the time. And, um, it's also got a lot of just, like, raw, like, footage of L.A. Um, in the early 80s, yeah. which I really appreciated. I feel like Lots and lots of movies take place in L.A., but very few of them look recognizably like the L.A. that you actually, you know, drive through and walk through. Um, there's just, there's a mm -hmm. lot of L.A. Yeah. And this is very, like, middle-class L.A., which is kind of fun. Um, except for the scene at the, like, swinger party that they electrocute all the people in the hot tub. That's, like, a weird, like, kind of turning point in their, like, in their social climbing like, before they've all been, like, pretty, like, middle-brow. Um, yeah. They, they go to this party. They electrocute everybody in the hot tub. Um, kind of by accident, honestly, because just uh, Paul gets mad and throws their little, like, space heater into the hot tub. And um, they end up, like, selling all these fancy cars of these people who pulled up to this party. And they make a fuck ton of money from it. And this is like the like lead up to the climax. Like they've made all this, they've kind of made out really well from this interaction, which yeah, it's just um, very like consumption focused. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, I like that it has. It's like a very different movie from Ravenous, but it it has like the similarity as far as like it's definitely a critique of like America and culture. A critique of, I mean, like, a critique of classism, or at least an examination of, like, class structure. Yeah. Just in a very different time. Like, one is during, like, early America, you know, like, early that, and then one is, like, 
eighties. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, absolutely. They, um, and as this sort of, this tips into the, the scene that is mentioned in the title where basically Raul tries like one last, he's like, Oh, me and Mary are going to run away and we're going to take all the money. Um, but that's not actually what happens. He was just uh, getting a little like too big for his britches in that relationship. Like she was horny for him, but ultimately that's not what it was about. So um, <laughs> they kill him. And then as um, their, their friend is coming over for dinner and now they don't have time to go shopping and they cook him and they all eat him. <laughs> Dude. And then yeah. have this like conversation <laughs> over the meal. Like, Oh, it's, he said their friend is like, oh, it's so tender. And Mary says, wistfully, I know. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Um, and Paul oh, says, like, God. it's amazing what you can do with such a with such a cheap cut of meat. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely, definitely a movie about like class strife and American consumption for sure. One that I wish was a little bit just more fun, I guess. Even though it was fun. Yeah, I. they could have had more fun with it. It was too restrained. Yes. They should have let loose. Yeah, if you're going to do that, then, I mean, let's get wild with it. Well, and there was definitely, like, an undercurrent, whether intentional or not. And I don't know if it was intentional with this movie. Um, but there's, like, definitely, like, a, a racial element with that character. Yes. Absolutely, because um, he is Hispanic, and honestly, the film is, like, pretty predominantly white. Yeah. Is he the only non-white... Is, is, is he the only character that's He's not white He's the only non-white film? character that gets any lines. Yeah, so, like, that's an interesting... Um, again, like, this this one's weird because I don't know what's intentional or not about this film. I have no fucking it's definitely He definitely... Clue. His race comes up. For sure. Um, well, his his accent is affected. Like, it's an affectation yes. where they're obviously asking him to ham yes. it up in a way that is, like, yeah. Yeah, and he's supposed like, to be Mexican. Racist. I think he's supposed to be Mexican. At one point, he refers to himself as Chicano. Um, yeah. Which I think is um, the point. Um, he says that, one, like, I mean, uh, Paul calls him a beaner <laughs> at one point. Yeah. Yeah. And then sends, so it, um, it has like, sends, like immigration after him. Theoret- I mean, not actually, but like hires some hires Doris actually to act like she's like an immigration officer and is going to deport him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it has that in there, but I, I don't know if it's trying to do anything larger with the commentary. But you could certainly read something into it, right? Like they're they're eating. They're eating some. They're eating the only character who isn't white by the end yes, of the and film. And referring to him to as like a cheap cut of meat. Yeah, and not only it's not even as it is as an afterthought. That's always an that was an interesting thing about this movie too. Is like eating Raúl, so you know at some point you know you're like okay, well, when's the cannibalism going to start? Eventually, they're going to eat this character Raúl, and it is. The gag is that it isn't any... The ultimate gag is that it isn't anything that furthers the plot. It's nothing that is a culmination of something. It's like, oh shit, we don't have time to go to the fucking grocery store. Which is like a very basic... um, For our guest. Which is like a super like upper middle class kind of problem that you would have. Um, So that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. Um, It's also funny because at the beginning, they have the exact same problem where um, they're making dinner for this guy who they're trying to impress. And this is when they commit the first murder because this guy's trying to rape her. And she, like, mm-hmm. beats him over the head with a raw chicken for a while because they're cooking <laughs> chicken for this guy. And then Paul hits him over the head with the skillet, which is their method of murder <laughs> for most of the movie. <laughs> Very slapstick. Yeah. and um, Very, like, Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And they... they uh, Paul tells the guy that they have veal going in the kitchen, which is like supposedly human meat tastes like veal. I don't know. Oh no! Kinds of dimensions to this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that is uh, definitely is like there's like class and race conflict in it that I I think is intentionally there. Yeah, you're probably Whether right. It's probably intentional. It is just 
generally racist <laughs> or um, yeah that's all intending to be <laughs> something else i think i would lean towards just not knowing if it weren't for the fact that um in the scene where raul's kind of trying to like pull out like his you know his power move and he's like me and mary are gonna run away together and he's like she won't ever have to work why do you want her to work she's just gonna have my babies yeah <laughs> which is I mean, first of all, I guess just, like, the same indictment of, like, men that has been going on for the whole movie, where they're just right. sex-brained fucking dummies, but also yes. it sounds like a very racialized <laughs> version of that. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's true. It does. It feels like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It's interesting. I... I guess it's one of those that ones that people, uh, if they wanted to be an asshole, they could be like, it was a different time. <laughs> so, you could say it was a different time. It, it was 1982. Um, it's fucking 1982. You probably uh, understand it was bad to be racist. Um. <laughs> I mean, you would think, but like we have Joss Whedon using that argument for his shit in the 90s. So true. It is true. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, um, very interesting movie. It has a lot going for it, honestly. Um, it's like a, it's a pretty well like it's a, it's a pretty well respected movie. It is like Criterion Collection, like very snooty, and and it is honestly pretty funny. Yeah, it's a, uh, it is. It's definitely one that'll make you sometimes laugh, but then feel troubled. Yes. Because of its portrayals of things that aren't super great. <laughs> yeah, so. I definitely also feel like it is like something recognizable in its like LA setting where you're like, oh, we're in LA and everybody besides us has like a much more like non traditional view of how relationships should work. Like, I do get that for sure. Now it's like, if, if we were to make this movie now, it would certainly be that everyone is poly. Yeah, or or a diff- just a different subset of people is racist or um not racist is rapists <laughs> is what I was going for actually yeah, with that yeah um yeah it would be I would love a remake I would honestly love a remake of Eating Raul man okay next on the not your final girl filmmaking jacket it would it would need a lot of changes you know you'd have to structurally go in there and fucking take a take a hammer to it but there's something there yeah the next <laughs> reboot that hollywood needs to do <laughs> the gritty eating yeah, forget about reboot. the next fucking batman you assholes god how many times are you going to remake spider-man when eating raul is sitting right there in front <laughs> right of you there. fucks <laughs> it's an audience that would love to think about cannibalism yeah, the time is right. Know, I'm all about it. I would. I'm fine with just a hundred percent of my media consumption having to do with people consuming one another. It's fine with me. I like that. I think I'm. I'm into like cabin shit right now. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Cabins are cool. Yeah. So if it's if it's like like you can give me cannibals in cabins. Oh, that's fine. Like cabin fever. Hell yeah. Man, is, there but... has to be like a cabin cannibalism movie, right? I mean, like, Cabin Fever, kind of. Cabin Fever-ish? I don't know if it's, like, straight cannibalism. They eat but... each other in Cabin Fever. Honestly, it's been a really long time since I've seen it, and I love that movie, so maybe I should. I love that movie. That was that was the first Eli Roth movie. Well, it's his, it's his day... I think it's his first film, but it was the first one that I saw, also. Yeah, me too. Um, and it is his choice. It's very good. Oh, wow. What? No, I was just trying to Google whether there's a, a, a cabin movie that was also a cannibal movie, but I just got a steakhouse on my Google results, so. <laughs> like a real steakhouse? I, I don't know why it came up with when I did cabin and cannibalism. Well, I found a place called Cannibal Cabins in oh, Colorado. shit. Okay, well, that's where we gotta go now. That seems bad. Why would you go to what's called Cannibal Cabin? It doesn't <laughs> and even. Then you're like, Fuck it yeah. looks normal. 
Literally, um, the only one that the first one that comes up legitimately as a as a result when you Google cabin cannibal movie is ravenous. I mean, like I guess those are technically, technically cabins, kind but... of cabins. I guess it is sort of like Donner Party adjacent. Apparently, though, there is a real thing. Is this a real thing? Cannibals lured victim to cabin in Oklahoma woods for castration. <gasps> amazing i mean now we're just googling shit this is our segment we're just googling shit we're like oh there were sorry we'll make a movie about them too it's fine yeah this is a whole thing holy shit this seems extreme i don't know anyways that's a whole thing (laughs) it's from the daily beast so like who fucking knows knows, you know i don't know about that source but we'll see the daily mail that's true. I'll have to do so some, the Daily Mail would absolutely cover some cannibal stories, so I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, they they definitely would. Well, okay, I'll text this to you for have, later. Um, I think we've we've really gotten to the bottom of this well because we are talking about um, cabins <laughs> and true crime stories and stuff. You know, there's definitely more cannibalistic shit to happen. Um, some of which is a lot more disgusting. So, you know, someday we'll get into that. But as of today, we just have yeah. some, like, weird, um, like, genre-bending, genre-crossing movies yeah. about fucking eating people. We're just trying to lure everyone in. So, like, if they haven't watched anything before, we're like, here's some, like, soft cannibal soft shit. Cannibalism. And then we're going to go hard with it next soft time. Soft cannibalism porn. <laughs> God, that is that is visceral. Yes. Yeah. Next time we're doing um, mm-hmm. next time we're doing hardcore. So get ready. <laughs> get ready for it. Get ready. I'm not going to speak Make the name steak. of the most hardcore um, cannibalism movie, but I I will someday. Get That'll ready happen. for it. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> get ready. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for listening and. Check out these movies, honestly, if you're into it. And tell us about them, please. You can tell us about them in many places. We have social media that you could comment upon or send us stuff. <laughs> we have an Instagram. It's um, NYFGpod. That's also our Twitter. We have Not Your Final Girl as a page on Facebook. We also have Not Your Final Girl Gang, which would be an excellent place to talk about eating people. We would love to see it. And um, mm-hmm. you can email us if you would like to... I mean, anything you'd like to really say that is email appropriate, I guess. And if you want to be on the podcast, the ideal place to hit up would be nyfgpod.gmail.com um, to fucking just talk to us. We like that. Thank you for our cool new um, artwork icon. Um, it's art you've probably seen before. It's like the cool vampire girl, but um, we just have her as our icon now to Brian Demarest and... Um, you can follow him on Instagram. He has made artwork. Um, he's made other artwork for us too. He's made artwork for me because he made me Ash from Evil Dead um, with a chainsaw arm, and she's yes. pretty cool. So you can go look at that. You can go look at his other stuff. He takes commissions um, if you want to. If you want to get in on that shit, um, you can follow him at Evil Flynn on Instagram. And um, thank you to Gabby Steiger for our old icon, as always. And you can follow her at Rabbit Foods on Instagram, too. Um, she has some uh, like other super cool shit. Thank you to Pat Spurlock for being technical and emotional support. You can follow him at Phantom Stranger <laughs> on Facebook. And thank you to our network, Morbidly Beautiful. You can follow them at XMorbidBeautyX on Twitter and just more really beautiful on Facebook. They have like all kinds of stuff. Like you can check out their website too. They have um, other podcasts. Check out the other podcasts on the network. We've got like Bloodhound Picks that does recommendations for like super like obscure indie stuff. And Best Little Horror House in Philly. If you want to hear people listen, to, talk about like the the um, horror movie that they think is the best in the world, which is like a pretty fun concept. Um, listen to I Spit on Your <laughs> Podcast. It does all kinds of stuff. Um, I've been really listening to Kelly's Taboo Terrors lately because um, I'm also a huge fan of super fucked up horror. And um, (laughs) yeah, so there's lots to be had. Um, They also have like horror writers and stuff if you check out their website and Facebook groups. So 
please do so. And I think yeah, that's about it for us today, as far as I know. Anything else we got to shout out? That's it. Um, no, I don't uh, think so. That's it. That's All it. Right, well, um, we'll have more guests on again in the future. We'll have another guest next time. And um, until mm-hmm. then, listen on losers. Fucking hit it, ghoul gang. Deuces, bro. Bye. Bye. Yeah.